Oh, what a joy it has been to be with you. Thank you so much for allowing me to come. And uh, praying that God will use this message in your heart as well. And uh, it's amazing how just to think that you can be preaching here and then somebody in Massachusetts can be listening online. It just blows my mind. I'm, I'm not a high-tech redneck, so <laughs> although I guess I am because I can take cash, check, or a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> oh me I hadn't got there yet brother now my daughter can do all that stuff you know her and my wife have a hair salon together and she does all that stuff but um, again it's been a joy to be with you these last few days and thank the Lord for what he's done in hearts and uh, I'm always amazed to watch God do what he does in the hearts of people. And I know it's his word that does it. It's quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Amen? And uh, so we're going to start out tonight and have a little fun. And I'll start with this song. How many of you men, I can't remember if I did this at the men's meeting or not, but I sh- if I didn't, I should have. But how many of you men have a hard time when it comes to, to getting that special gift for your wife, the anniversary, the birthday, the... Are you with me on that? Well, this will help you. She said, everyone has got one, so my wife wants one too. A knee-length fuzzy fur coat, nothing else will do. She said it'd make her classy and make me proud of her if I'd break down by her fur. Well, it got me to thinking, how am I going to swing that sort of deal? Well, I sure don't have the money. I know it's wrong to steal. But the problem finally solved itself like a bolt out of the blue. Jumped right out in front of me on Highway 22. Now that big old German shepherd, my car he did not see. Now he's in doggy heaven, but his hide belongs to me. So I went down in the basement, yes, I worked hard every night. It was mostly trial and error, but I finally got it right. And I put it in a cardboard box and carried it upstairs to her. Oh, she was tickled pink, see that fur? She's got a fancy fur coat that reaches all the way to her knees. But she's been complaining lately, set her closet's full of fleas. She don't know old Fido is wrapped around her tight. She's putting on the dog when she goes out at night. Well, she's been depressed here lately since I backed out over the cat. But I think she'll feel much better when I give her this new fur hat. All right. Well, thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. Bow your heads and we'll end the service. Messing with you, brother. How you doing, preacher? They put me up to that. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, boy, it's just fun to laugh, isn't it? I can't remember if I did this last time, if I did. I hate to repeat myself, but I, I do a lot. <clears throat> uh, and I may have told you this, too, but one of my favorite memories, my, my mother died of Alzheimer's disease and uh I remember one of my favorite memories is when she looked at me one day and she said, you're my oldest boy, aren't you? I said, no, Mama, I'm the middle boy. She said, when that happened? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, me, times we cried, times we laughed, you know. But uh, For you younger folks that are in here, young men and young ladies, uh, there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to uh, see or meet that special someone that you think that maybe God has put in your life to be your mate. And uh, my advice to you is this. Let God pick that mate out for you. Don't try to pick it out yourself. Because if you do, you might get in trouble like this fellow did. All right, here's his story. We got married last Friday. My wife, she was right there beside me. Our friends were all gone and we were alone side by side. We were so happily wed when we got ready for bed then. Her teeth and her hair she placed in a chair side by side. 
One glass eye so shiny, one hearing aid so small. Then she took one leg off and placed it on the chair by the wall. I stood there brokenhearted. Most of my wife had departed. <laughs> so I slept on the chair. There was more of her there side by side. <laughs> so there you have it. Word of advice to the young, okay? All right, so Pastor wanted me one more time before I leave to nip it in the bud, all right? And so we'll do a little Barney, and then we'll do the song, okay? Now, men, here at The Rock, we have two rules. Rule number one, obey all rules. Rule number two, no writing on the walls. For it takes a long time to get writing off the walls. Now, men, you're on the wrong road. Some of you are kleptomaniacs. You can't help it. And you want to change. So I bought some things to help you change. I've got a metal craft set, a wood carving set, and a Mr. Potato set. I'm getting tickled at myself. All right. <laughs> so that's a little warning. My voice is just not working with me tonight as it should be. <clears throat> so we'll just go ahead and sing the song, Nip It in the Bud. Are right, you ready? Stare at the screen with crazy bloodshot eyes. Empty pop bottles, chicken that's fried. Andy, time for supper. Rerun to rerun, I just can't break free. There's Andy and me, and baby makes three. Don't worry, we'll get it. I gotta nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. I think I need to get a life and say goodbye to Barney Fife. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Floyd always said, ooh, how about a haircut? It's a beautiful thing. To watch Google work, ain't you got a jack? Or to hear Gomer sing, Santa Lucia. Otis can jump rope with bottle in hand. But Andy can't get B to just call the man. Call the man, Aunt B. I gotta nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. I think I need to get a life and say goodbye to Barney Fife. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Ernest T. Bash, she called me a creature, can sure chuck a rock. And Dopey the bird man, he sure learned a lot. Winking tells blinking, blinking whispers to nod. Nod tips off Barney that I'm losing it all. My whole body's a weapon. I gotta nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. I fear I'll never have a life forever hooked on fearless fife. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Oh, my Barney, oh, my Barney. Had a jail and couldn't lock it. Had one bullet for his pistol, had to keep it in his pocket, his left shirt pocket. Episode 117, the shoplifters, his right shirt pocket. Barney messed up, and I noticed because I watched it way too much. Most all the other episodes, except for maybe three, his left shirt pocket. You don't think I can get banjir sounds out in this jug? A man's entitled to his opinion. And I ain't going to be beat to death with no spoon. And you might as well give her a little poke while she's a bugging. And I thank you for not giving me an arrest. I've got to nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Nip it, 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 nip it. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. I get my hand in those petunias yet, Andy. 
<laughs> I hit a bad chord there at the end. And, oh, me. Well, there you have it. You'll never be the same. <laughs> Barney came to California. <clears throat> you know, uh, Don Knotts came to Pinehurst, North Carolina, right next to where I grew up. And uh, my grandmother was a maid at, at the Manor Hotel. And Don Knotts stayed there. And she got to meet him. And she said, Bruce, I called him Barney right to his face. <laughs> you go, Grandma. <laughs> well... I want to uh, share a couple more songs, but before I do, I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, with me tonight. And again, I want to thank you so much for the wonderful place to stay, the meals, the, the great time that I've had with you, the ice cream the other night, and, and just uh, it's just been a joy to be with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, pray for my wife. Uh, she just got to Delaware. We have a friend of ours from Alabama. And uh, they're real, we're really close to that family, and, uh, and Pastor Rick's uh, sister died, and so he's doing her funeral tomorrow. So if you would pray for the Johnson family, I'd appreciate that. My wife went to be with them. If I was anywhere close, I'd be right there with her, because I, I love that family, and they know that. And so he's going to be preaching his sister's funeral tomorrow. It's going to be really hard for him. So if you'd pray for my friend Rick Johnson, I would really, really appreciate that. Thank you very, very much. And for that whole family. Now, last night I told you that tonight we're going to be, uh, with God's help, preaching a message called The Rest of the Story. And I know that we all have a story. If you're here, you're born again and you're saved. You have a story about how God uh, touched your heart and brought you to salvation. And then after that, God is writing your story. He's writing my story. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. If you have your Bibles open to Acts chapter 16... Um, I won't have you stand tonight because I'm just going to read one verse and pray and we'll jump right in here. But in Acts chapter 16 and verse 31, the Bible says this. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Father God in heaven, Lord, I pray that you will bless the reading of your word, and the preaching of this message, a very simple message about trials. And Father, I pray for those who are going through trials right now. Our country is going through a trial, Father. I pray for our former president and the things that you're trying to do to him. I just pray that you'd be with him and his family during this time. And Father, I pray for those who are in high offices who need to be saved. Lord, precious souls that you died for, and they're just lost. They're just lost. God help them. And Father, I pray that you would help me tonight, <clears throat> give my voice strength, and Lord, I'm looking forward to having the operation on the 29th so I can get this fixed, so I can continue to serve you singing and preaching around the country. And I pray all that will go well also. But Lord, tonight, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart that hears this message. And as always, as pastors already said, if there's anybody here and they don't know Christ, I pray tonight would be their night where you would reveal to them their need to be born again into your family. And Father, we'll give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory for any good that comes out of this service tonight, for you deserve it all. Hide me behind the cross. Fill me and use me tonight for your glory. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen and amen. I want to sing you a couple of songs and, and then we'll get into the message. Well, it's funny how we do it, compartmentalize. We plan for success and try to pass the pain right by. But it just doesn't work that way. God has a different plan. It works in ways we'd never see beyond the scope of man. Now when the journey takes a detour unexpectedly, and I try to accept understand what it all means when I'm pressed to show the world what I really believe I will trust you Lord my heart begins to faint because I see a heart so frayed my soul cries out oh Lord along can I keep this at bay in the fiercest part of battle when my feet don't want to stay I will trust you 
I will trust you, Lord, with my life. I may not understand it and even wonder why. What good could ever come from this has even crossed my mind. But God's teaching me to trust Him more as He works His will in me. I rest securely in His care. Surrender sure is sweet. So when the journey takes a detour unexpectedly and I try to accept Understand what it all means When I'm pressed to show the world What I really believe I will trust you, Lord I will trust you, Lord With my life Amen my brother uh, had a friend of his, and he would go see him in Greensboro, North Carolina, and, and he would always go by to see his friend's dad, and he would ask that man, he said, how are you doing, buddy? And he'd always say this. He didn't say better than I deserve. He said, Sammy, I'm one day closer home. And if you're here tonight, you're born again, and you're saved, you're one day closer home, closer than you were just five minutes ago. Amen. And so after about three years, and Sammy said, you know, that sounds like a song. I need to write that thing. And that man told him that day, he said, Sammy, you've been talking about it for three years. Why don't you shut up and write that thing? And so he finally did, and we recorded a CD called One Day Closer Home. In this world full of broken lies, trials and temptations on every side, in the face of such uncertain times, there's a peace that I find. Well, I'm one day closer home. I'm looking up and pressing on. I guess I'll just keep on keeping on. One day closer home. In a changing world where wrong is right Some turn away and say no use to try My hope is certain and one thing I know It is well with my soul Cause I'm one day closer home I'm looking up and pressing on Cause I'll just keep on keeping on One day closer home One day closer home Amen We're here in the Word of God in Acts chapter 16 We're going to read a story about Paul and Silas now, I want to tell you one thing if you're going to be a friend of the Apostle Paul, you better get ready for some trials and some troubles because everywhere that boy went, he got in trouble. Not for doing wrong, but for doing exactly what God had called him to do. And here we find him in a predicament here and a little background on it. He was, he was somewhere else and then God called him to go to Macedonia. And when he got there, of course, there, he met this certain damsel. It says in verse 16, uh, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. They were using this woman to make money. She was filled with a demon. And of course, Paul uh, exercised that demon out of her, so these guys lost their money-making machine, and they got really upset and angry about that. And they got mad at Paul. And so we're going to show you what happened here in just a moment. Now, one thing I know, folks, you're here tonight. You're either in a trial, or you just came out of a trial, or you're headed for a trial, for such is life. A friend of mine wrote a poem. I want to read it to you. It's called My Trouble. My troubles have come, my troubles have gone, more trouble is on the way. One thing is for sure, my troubles endure, for my troubles will meet me today. So often I've tried just simply to hide my face from its long-gazing stare. Yet running my best from east to the west, I find that my trouble's still there. 
From dust until dawn, my troubles roll on, and it seems that my troubles won't end. But then as I look in the words of God's book, I find there that troubles my friend. Remember, the God of the mountain is also the God in the valley. Amen? Charles Spurgeon said this quote, God will not forget His children, nor will He forsake our care. His compassion is enduring even when we're unaware. Are you heartbroken? Are you discouraged tonight? Maybe even asking God why? I heard a preacher say one time, you should never ask God why, but I remind you on the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I think it's okay to ask God why, but you have to remember this, when you ask God why. He may give you a quick answer. He may make you wait for an answer. And you might not get your answer until you see Him face to face in glory one day. It just all depends on what, that's just up to Him, basically. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you just don't seem like you're as close to God as you used to be. Can I remind you that God doesn't move? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. <clears throat> I heard a story my brother told, and I can't remember all the details of it, but the, basically the story is this. Grandma and granddad are in an old pickup truck. It's one of them pickup trucks that has the seat all the way across. Granddad's driving. Grandma's sitting over here by the window. They get behind this young couple, and you couldn't put a piece of paper in between them. They're so close together. And Grandma looked at Granddad and said, Hey, Daddy, remember when we used to ride like that? And he looked over at her and said, I ain't moved. <laughs> I know that's not good English. But anytime you feel a distance from God, He ain't moved. We're the ones who move. Amen? Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Sunday morning, I shared my testimony here, and I <clears throat> mentioned in there that my brother wrote me a letter. I still have that letter. It's precious to me. And sometimes I get it out and I read it, and right in the center of that letter, my brother wrote the, this line. Bruce, God has a perfect plan for your life. And guess what? God has a perfect plan for all of our lives. But the only way you're going to know God's perfect plan for your life is number one, know His perfect Son, the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then get in His perfect book and this is where you find God's perfect plan for your life. Amen? And so I want to sing this last song that my brother wrote as he was going through a trial. God allowed him to write this song called Perfect Plan. When your hope is almost gone and the wind is blowing strong Heaven seems so silent when you pray When your faith is turned to fear and you can't hold back the tears Friends no longer know quite what to say When you looked and cannot find him And the road is long and dark And you question why he seems so far away When you wonder, is he with me? Does he hear my broken heart? Remember, child, he knows just where you are Job and how he suffered and the glory of his praise when you just can't seem to face another day. In the trial, God is faithful. He will give sufficient grace. Count your blessings, bow the knee, and walk by faith. You looked and cannot find him and the road is long and dark. And you question why he seems so far away When you wonder, is he with me? Does he hear my broken heart? Remember, child, he knows just where you are The Lord knows every step you take Every tear drop in your eye 
often we may not understand Our Father has a perfect plan You looked and cannot find Him And the road is long and dark And you question why He seems so far away When you wonder, is He with me? Does He hear my broken heart? Remember, child, He knows just where you are Remember, child, He knows just where you are. Our Father has a perfect plan. Amen. Well, God had a perfect plan for Paul and Silas, as we read here. In the Bible, the rest of the story. Amen? You know, we can read stories like this in the Bible, and we can see how they turned out because we got the rest of the story right here. But we don't know the rest of our story because God's still writing our story as we speak. How many of you remember Paul Harvey, the rest of the story? Many of you do. Uh, not long ago, I ordered some of those on uh, some CDs, and I listened to them going down the road. I just, he just had a way with this, the inflection and stuff. I want to read one that is one of my favorites that I found, and you'll understand why it's my favorite when I get through. But this is called A Dreamer and His Dream. Let me tell you, Jesse hated this job. Jesse was a chicken plucker. He spent his days pulling the feathers off of dead chickens. Wasn't much of a job. But at that time, Jesse didn't think he was much of a person. His father was a brute of a man, actually thought to be mentally ill and treated Jesse rough all his life. Jesse's older brother wasn't much better. He was always picking on Jesse and beating him up. Jesse grew up in a very rough home in West Virginia, and he thought life didn't hold much hope for him. In addition to all the rough treatment at homes, it seems that Jesse was always sick. Sometimes it was real physical illness, but way too often... It was just all in his head. He was a small child, skinny and meek, and that sure didn't help the situation any. When he started to school, he was the object of every bully on the playground. He was a hypochondriac of the first order. For Jesse, tomorrow was not something always to be looked forward to, but he had dreams. He wanted to be a ventriloquist, so he found books on ventriloquism. He practiced with sock puppets, saved his hard-earned dollars until he could get a real ventriloquist dummy. And when he got old enough... He joined the military, and even though many of his hypochondriac symptoms persisted, the military did recognize his talents and put him in the entertainment corps. That's when his world changed. He gained confidence. He found he had a talent for making people laugh and laugh so hard they often had tears in their eyes. Yes, little Jesse had found himself. You know, folks, the history books are full of people who overcame a handicap to go on and make a success of themselves, but Jesse is one of the few I know of who didn't overcome it. Instead, he used his paranoia to make a million dollars and become one of the best-loved characters of all time in doing it. Yes, that little paranoid hypochondriac who transferred his nervousness into a successful career still holds the record for the most Emmys given in a single category. The wonderful, gifted, talented, and nervous comedian who brought us Barney Fife was Jesse Don Knotts. And now you know the rest of the story. But what's the rest of your story going to read like? Are you trying to write it by yourself? Or are you going to let God write it for you? You trusted Him with your soul. Can you not trust Him with the rest of your life? The Bible says in Psalm 56, 13, For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling? So let's look here at the Bible, at these two men, as they were thrown in this prison, and how they trusted God through this trial and brought God glory because of it. Let's look at your Bibles here in Acts chapter 16, and we'll start reading in verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them. That's Paul and Silas. The magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging a jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. 
They weren't treated very well, were they? Not at all. Not at all. You see, sometimes when you take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and you really serve Him and follow Him, sometimes you're going to have to suffer for the Savior. You're going to have to suffer for the Savior. That's the first point in the message tonight, suffering for the Savior. The Bible says in Hebrews 5, 8, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. I went to Cleveland, Tennessee when I was living in Nashville and working a job there. Uh, I'm an old electrician, but I got a technical job. I was running fiber optic cable in this big building. There were carpenters there. There were electricians. There were plumbers and air conditioning guys. It was a construction site. And I didn't have my own gospel track then, but I, I bought a box of chick tracks because I, you know, uh, my brother had sent me some of those in the mail and God used them in my life. And I thought, well, he can use them in my life. He can use them in other people's lives. So I bought all those chick tracks and I took them on the first day that I was working. I went around and I gave them to all the plumbers and electricians. I told them, I said, look, my name's Bruce Fry. I just recently trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. And if, you're, if you don't know where you're going when you die, if I can help you with that, I'll be glad to. Maybe during lunch. Sometime if you want to talk to me, I'm here. I'm available. And I just kept passing out tracks and, you know, inviting these guys to come talk to me. And guess what? I ate lunch by myself a lot back in those days. Those guys weren't running to me. They weren't knocking on my door. Matter of fact, they made fun of me. I remember coming around the corner one time, preacher, and they were all gathered together there together. Obviously, one of them was telling a filthy joke, and they were laughing and stuff. And when they saw me, one of the guys in the crowd went, Uh-oh, better shut up. Here comes the preacher. And I turned around and went where they couldn't see me, and I got on my knees, and I started crying. I said, God, I've been called a lot of things in my life, but I have never been called a preacher before, ever, ever. Later on, I was there for eight months working on that project. And later on, I, I, I did get to witness to some people and share the gospel with some people. And one of the electricians there one time in the hallway stopped me, tears streaming down his face. And he said, Bruce, he said, I, I know you love God. And he said, my wife has cancer. Will you pray for my wife, please? And I could have said, man, you've been laughing at me the whole time I've been here. I didn't do that. I said, yes, sir, I'll be glad to pray for your wife. I said, as a matter of fact, let's do it right now. And he and I got on our knees in the hallway, people walking back. He didn't care what anybody thought that day. And we became really close friends because of that. But sometimes... When you take a stand for Christ, you're not always going to be the best one loved at school or on the, on, the, uh, <clears throat> on, on the job site or whatever, even in Christian colleges, brother. Sometimes in Christian colleges, the ones that are trying to stand for Christ, even Christians will make fun of. And you just have to take that stand. Luke 6, 26 says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. John 16.33, In this world you shall have tribulation. John 15.19, But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. If you name the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, this world hates you. Now you can talk about God all you want to, but when you say the name Jesus, that changes everything. Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote in Philippians 1.29, For unto you is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. And if God is not doing something for you, He's doing something in you, so He can do something through you. 2 Corinthians 12.9, when Paul asked to remove the infirmity that he had, says this, And He, God, said unto me, Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, and then Paul said this, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you realize sometimes God will allow you to go through a trial so that the power of Christ can rest upon you? Psalm 119.71, It is good for me, David said, that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. Romans 8, 17 and 18 said, If so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together... This is how I know this is a southern book. For I reckon. (laughs) 
that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. A.W. Tozer said this, Before God can use a person greatly, he must often bruise him deeply. That's why in 2 Timothy 2.3, God tells us, Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 5.19, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, and that after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. In 1 Peter 1, 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And Psalm 35 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And it's better to suffer for the cause of Christ than for the cause of Christ to suffer, because the best is yet to come. Amen? The best is yet to come. So here, as we read, The first part of this, we see suffering for the Savior. Now let's continue to read the rest of the story. Look back at your Bibles in verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas complained. Is that what your Bible says? Mine either. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And I wrote in my Bible right here, and God heard them too. Because look what happened next. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's bands were loosed. The keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep. Paul and Silas sang that old prison guard to sleep that night. Hallelujah. And seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Back in Acts chapter 12 and verse 9, the Bible says, If you were a prison guard and you lost your charge, it was life for life. And this guard, well, the doors are open, the chains are off. Let me ask you a question. If you'd have been in the day, like the roadrunner, buddy, I'd have been out of that place. Are you kidding me? But look what happened as we read the rest of the story. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Now, how did he know that? When I first read this, I said, well, maybe they were all in one big compartment or something. But the Bible doesn't say they saw Paul and Silas. The Bible says they heard Paul and Silas. So they were in different compartments there. Can you imagine being in a cell right here and Paul and Silas being drugged in there like they were, treated roughly? And I can imagine this guy going, man, that's the same way they treated me when I came in here. I wish I could help them, but I'm chained up. I can't do anything for anybody. I can't even do anything for myself. And all of a sudden, he started hearing praying. Then he started hearing singing. Wow. I've never heard anything like that in my life. I sure didn't have a song when I came in here. And this is my sanctified imagination, but you know what I believe happened? As Paul was praying, I'm sure he was sharing the gospel, knowing there were some men in there that needed to hear the gospel. And they were singing praises to God. When those doors came open, when that earthquake hit... The chains fell off, I believe, one by one. Those men left their cells, went in there to where Paul and Silas were, and said, I heard you singing and I heard you praying. And I don't know what you have, but I need that. I need that. See, folks, if this world sees us go through trials in a different way, they'll say, what what makes you tick? They'll come to you. They'll ask you. And I'll share something about that here in just a little bit. But see, we see suffering for the Savior, and then we see singing for the Savior. Singing for the Savior. Psalm 43, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praising to our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Psalm 101 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Psalm 34, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His. Psalm 30, 12, To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee, and not be silent. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify Him with thanksgiving. Psalm 96, 1 says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Psalm 118, 14, The Lord is my strength and song and become my salvation. The apostles were arrested for preaching the gospel and still had a song in their hearts. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Jesus never complained during His trials. And He is our example. And we should be just like Him. 
1 Peter 2, 23. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. And we should rejoice when we have to suffer and endure things like our Savior did. Beautiful verses in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Here it is, church. Which is to try you as some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you, and on their part he is evil spoken of, and on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And James 1, 2 says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or various trials. So number one, we see suffering for the Savior. Then number two, we see singing for the Savior. And as we continue to read the rest of the story, we're going to see souls for the Savior. Let's look back down there in our Bibles here. In verse 28 again, But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, we are all here. Then he called for a light, the Philippian jailer sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Before he went to sleep, he heard the gospel too. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Souls for the Savior. That Philippian jailer got saved that day. And it's a wonderful thing. And we're going to see as we read the rest of the story what happened after that. It's an amazing thing. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the Bible says, right? Now, when this Philippian jailer got saved, you know what he did? He said, I want you to come to my house. I want you to tell my wife and my children what you just told me. Because once you get saved, you want your family to be saved. You want your friends to be saved. Hey, I don't know. Sometimes people say, what did you get, Bruce? A double dose of the Holy Ghost? I said, I don't know. But I'll tell you this. When I got saved, I drove nine hours from Nashville, Tennessee to Aberdeen, North Carolina. I sat my mom and daddy down and told them what had happened to me because I wanted it to happen to them. I I sat my brother down and talked to him. I started telling my friends. I started telling strangers. I wanted to tell everybody because I wanted everybody to have what I had. And I know that not everybody, God gives the gift of evangelism, but he, he gave me a double dose of it, man. I, I've got it bad. And, I, and I, I just want to see people saved. I really do. And I care about people. Before I got saved, I cared about one person, me. But after I got saved, I didn't care about me anymore. And I care about other people. And I thank God for that. God did that in my heart. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Philippians 1.12, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. See, Paul knew what no whatever happened in his life. It was for the furtherance of the gospel. Romans 8.28, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, that are them that are the called according to his purpose. And I said this last night, Once you become a child of God, you don't belong to you anymore. You belong to Him. And He can use you any way He wants to use you. He can do whatever He wants to to you to help you, sometimes to get you in a place where you can further the gospel. God has allowed you to go through what you went through, so down the road you can help someone else who is going through the same thing. And we talked about that last night as well because He knows the rest of the story. Your reputation is what others think you are. Your character is what God knows you are. What will people say when they tell the rest of your story? What circumstances has God brought into your life to build your character? A difficult relationship? A conflict at work? A physical problem? A financial problem? A job loss? A death? Are you handling the trials of life in a way that brings glory to God? What He allowed in your life yesterday has helped to prepare you for today. And what today brings will better equip you for tomorrow. Let's look back at our Bible here again. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that was in, in his house. So they had a revival. Now, again, I can't prove this by the Bible, but this is what I believe happened. In verse 33, and he took them. Now, who is the them? 
Is that just Paul and Silas? I don't think so. I think it was every prisoner in there. I think this Philippian jailer got saved by the grace of God. And therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And this old boy got saved. And he said, hey, I treated all you guys rough while you're in here. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Won't you come to my house? I want to take care of you. He took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he brought them into his house, he said, meet before them and rejoice, believing in God with all his house. What a wonderful thing happened. A wonderful revival. We talked about that Sunday night. And here we have it. He got saved. His wife got saved. His family got saved. I believe these other prisoners got saved. I can't prove that, but I believe that with all my heart, man. It was just a wonderful thing that happened. So we see suffering for the Savior. We see singing for the Savior. And then we see souls for the Savior. Trials are so we can learn to lean on Jesus to correct us. Trials are to humble us, to challenge us. Trials come so we can help others to change us. But listen to me, church. All trials are so we can be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God is trying to do. He's trying to mold us. He's trying to change us. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changing the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Romans 8.29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Why? To be conformed to the image of his Son. 1 John 3.2, beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Trials are blessings when we can bless God for trials. Trials are for your good and for God's glory. Years ago, and it's kind of funny, this, this, this message I've been preaching for quite some time. But years ago when I was um, recording my Christmas CD back in 2004, I was having trouble in the studio hitting notes that I'd always been able to hit. My producer asked me, he said, Bruce, do we need to change the key to help you hit that note? And I said, no, I'll get it in a minute, you know. But I didn't know the rest of the story. There was something going down in my vocal cords, the very same thing that's happening to me right now. I had a nodule on my vocal cords. Now, I had people in my church giving me their homemade remedies, lemon and honey, staying on your head, do this, do that. And I tried everything, but in the background, my sweet little wife said, Bruce, you need to go to a specialist. You sing, you preach, you need to go to somebody who knows what they're talking about. And I said, you're right, honey. So I went to the doctor, sat down in the chair, and he was getting ready to examine me. But before he examined me, I said, hey, doc, can I ask you a question before you start poking on me? He said, what's that, Bruce? And I said, doc, have you ever been saved? Have you ever been born again? And he said, yes, sir, Bruce. He said, I'm a born-again Christian. Shared his testimony with me very briefly. And I thought, oh, that's wonderful. I said, go ahead, Doc. And he took this little thing, it's smaller, even smaller than this, and had a camera on the end of it, stuck it up in my nose, went down into my throat. And I'm watching it on a monitor here. And when it got down to my vocal cords, your vocal cords are in a V like this. He said, Bruce, go E, E, E. And I went, E, E, E. He said, you see that little knot right there? I said, Yeah. He said, that shouldn't be there. That's why your voice sounds like it sounds. That's why my voice is sounding like it sounds tonight. I got to go the 29th and get this thing burned off. So he told me that day, he said, yeah, we need to go in there with a laser and burn that off. And I'm telling you, preacher, when he said the word burn, I've been burned before. I said, doc, I'll get back with you on that one. And I walked out of the doctor's office where I could get cell phone uh, signal. And I called my wife and she said, what did he say? I said, he said, I have a nodule and he needs to go in there and burn it off with a laser. She said, did you set a date? No, honey, I didn't. She said, Bruce, you know you can't go on like this. You got to get this taken care of. And I said, you're right. So I went back in there and set a date. And I was going to have to take a couple of weeks off, just like I am for this one as well, to heal up. And uh, the day I went into the hospital, my pastor our music minister, and my brother, who was the youth pastor at our church at that time, came to pray for me, and my wife was there. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. This is just where God had my heart. Because, you know, I got thinking, on the way home, after I set the date for the surgery, 
from the hospital to my house is only 10 miles or less. And I had a little pity party. Not a big one, but just a little one. And out loud, I was talking to God. I said, God, why would you do this to me? I don't understand. I said, I'm, I'm singing, I'm preaching, I believe I'm in the center of your will. And then I heard myself talking. And I stopped. And I said, God, my voice doesn't belong to me. It belongs to you. And whatever you want to do with it, that's your business. By the time I got home, I started thinking, you know, that doctor was saved, but maybe there's a nurse, maybe there's a patient, somebody else at that hospital that needs the gospel. God's doing this to me so I can give them the gospel. And by the time I got home, I was so excited. I ran into the house and I said, honey, I think I know why God's doing this. There's somebody at that hospital that needs the gospel. He's doing this to me so I can give them the gospel. Isn't that wonderful? She said, if you say so. (laughs) And so I started every every, uh, appointment that I had, I was handing my, my... Uh, testimony CDs. I was handing out gospel tracts. I was praying with patients. I was having a great time. And the day that my pastor for, I went into the operating room. As they were praying for me, I was looking around the room. I'd already talked to several people. And as they were praying for me, I was praying for them. I said, God, I'm not worried about this. I'm your child. Whatever happens, it's your will for my life. I'm okay. I said, but there's some people in here, they don't know you like I know you. And they're scared to death. So as they were praying for me, I was praying for them. And then it was over, my wife and I went in that room and they make you wear that gown. I don't like the gown. I told them, I said, look, you're working on my throat. Can't I just keep my blue jeans on? They won't let you do that. You know, that's why they call it (laughs) ICU. There ain't nothing modest about that outfit. I can tell you that right now. So they laid me on the bed there after I got my gown on. And the anesthesiologist came in there and started hooking these wires up to me. And he started talking to me, telling me, he said, now, Mr. Fry, once I get all this hooked up and I hit this button right here, he said, you're going to go into la-la land. You won't remember a thing until after the surgery. I said, hey, before you hit that button, I said, can I ask you a question? He said, what's that? I said, son, have you ever been saved? Have you ever been born again? And he dropped his head and he said, no, sir. But I've been thinking about it. I said, really? I looked at my wife. I said, honey, do I have any of my CDs left or any of my gospel tracts? I didn't have any pockets in my outfit. You know what? (laughs) And she said, no, you've given all your CDs away, but I do have one of your gospel tracts. She handed it to this young man. And when he looked at it and he saw me with Hank Williams Jr. on the front of that gospel tract, he went, wait a minute. He said, you're Bruce Fry. I said, yeah. He said, I didn't recognize you. He said, Bruce, I used to come and hear you sing at the treehouse in Greenville, North Carolina when I was going to college. He said, what in the world happened to you, man? Said, Whoa, let me tell you what happened to me. I shared my testimony with him. He didn't get saved, but he listened very intently. Then he hit the button. I went out. They did the surgery, got my voice back. Now it's gone again, so I've got to go through this again. So I'm thinking, there's somebody else. I'm excited. God's got a plan because he knows the rest of the story. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes?